Good morning. So as we continue with our theme, who do you think that you are? Today we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 21. And the scripture really talks about, are we imitators of Christ? Now I'm going to show my age, and for some of you that aren't my age, I would appreciate the fact that you would respect me because of my age. When I was a kid growing up, there was somebody I wanted to be like. Now, I don't know who your childhood heroes were, but my childhood hero was a guy by the name of John Wayne. When I was a kid growing up, I'm telling you, you know, shows, movies like The Shootist or The Cowboys, or can you remember that uh, favorite one, um, True Grit? When he took those reins in his mouth and he pulled out both of his guns and he was ready to blaze down the trail. Do you remember that? Or perhaps you remember McClintock, or perhaps you're saying to me, Sir, I don't know who John Wayne is. How many of you don't know who John Wayne is? How many of you? Okay, you are a wicked sinner. I will pray for you. So John Wayne was my hero growing up, and I wanted to be like him. He was a a tall man. He always sat upon a beautiful horse, and I thought, man, if I could grow up and be just like John Wayne, I would be a real man. Now, let me ask you, when you were a kid growing up, who did you want to be like? And you can say out loud, you can speak out loud, it's okay. This is an opportunity for you to say, this is who I wanted to be like growing up. Who did you want to be like growing up? Michael Jordan. All right, somebody else. Michael Jordan, we've heard that. John Wayne, anybody else? Roger Staubach. Now those bring back some great days. That's when the Cowboys were Cowboys, right? And by the way, yesterday was a miraculous day. Uh, It was a miraculous day because not only did the Aggies win, but the Longhorns won as well too. See, God still does miracles for those who believe, right? All right, how many of you uh, remember that running back for the for the uh, Longhorns that was from Tyler, Texas. Remember him, the Tyler Rose? Earl Campbell, all right? Who else did you idolize growing up? Come on, and don't say Jesus. We'll get to that one in a little bit. But who were your heroes growing up? What about some of you Southwestern students? I see you all sitting together, and you're all awake today, and we appreciate that here at River Rock Bible Church. (laughs) Who did you aspire to be like when you grew up? Come on, give me somebody. If you don't, Steve Irwin, all right? Ah, the, the guy who would... Uh, the Australian guy who would always be out there, wow, the world's amazing. Yeah, he was a really good guy, wasn't he? All right, somebody else. Who did you aspire to be like? Pastor Charlie when you grew up. Yeah, and you know what's really cool? And by the way, those of you that are guests here for the first time, uh, my name's Bill. I'm not Pastor Charlie. I'm just a regular member here at River Rock Bible Church. I have an amazing job. I think I have the funnest job here at church. I'm actually a greeter outside, and I welcome people. I am not Pastor Charlie. I am just a simple fill-in and substitute for today. But this young man who shared that actually has known Pastor Charlie since he was a, since you were a small child, right? And so he really does idolize uh, Pastor Charlie. And by the way, that is someone good to idolize. Now, I love John Wayne, so I want to show you a brief video clip that I think most of you have probably never, ever seen. It's John Wayne on a variety show with Dean Martin talking about what's really important in his life. You watch the guy I used to idolize. I 
Sit a horse well I can't tell you how happy I am to have you on the show Tom. Well, I can't tell you how glad I am to be here Dean Yep And I sure want to thank you for getting me such a good horse well, That ain't no ordinary horse, pal They don't say that horse was a zebra before the white knight went by, you know <laughs> I'm working on a western right now with Kirk Douglas And I sure wish you were with us Now I gotta give up westerns It's too hard to read the cue cards when I'm galloping along <laughs> Don't give me that, Dean. We made two westerns together, and you never missed a line. Don't let this get out, pal, but I was writing Mr. Ed, and he never missed a line. That's right. <laughs> Tell me, Duke, of all the pictures you've ever made, what's your favorite? Well, the one I had taken last week with Marisa, my eight-month-old daughter. Oh, well, that's nice, pal. You know, <coughs> I think it's swell. You, you having all those kids, and especially now having a new little baby, I'm, I'm proud of you, Duke. Well, I'm proud of you, too, Dean. You know, you've got seven. You haven't exactly been sitting around staring at walls, either. Well, well, Duke, everybody, you know, seems to love you. And let me ask you something. They all want to know. Here you are, one of the biggest stars in the whole world, been making pictures for 37 years, got a spanking new daughter. Now, what do you want for her, Duke? Well, uh, same as any parent wants, I guess. I'd just like to... Stick around long enough to see she gets started, right? I'd like her to know some of the values that we knew as kids. Some of those values that too many people these days are thinking are old-fashioned. Most of all, I want her to be grateful as I am every day of my life to live in these United States. I know it may sound a little corny, but the first thing my daughter is learning from me is the Lord's Prayer and some of the Psalms. And I really don't care if she ever memorizes the Gettysburg Address, just so long as she understands it. And since little girls are seldom called upon to defend their country, she may never have to raise her hand for that oath. But I'm certainly want her to respect all those who do. I guess uh, that's about what I want for my daughter, Dean. Well, I'm proud to know you, Duke. When I was a kid, I wanted to be like John Wayne. But when I became 16 years of age, I came to know Christ. And then my desires and passions changed for who I wanted to be like. And then I desired to be like Christ. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. And we may read all of those, or some of those, or most of those, or just a few of those. So it's important for you to know those verses. But today when we talk about being an imitator of Christ, the question that I thought about is when you look in the mirror, what do you see? When you look in the mirror every day, what do you see? Some of you see bad hair, you see more gray hair, or you see less hair. 
Some of you perhaps see a place where you need to do a little touch-up, and some of you know that there is no hope for any touching up. But when you look in the mirror, what do you see? And today we're not really talking about being an imitator of some man or even an imitator of our pastor who is a great godly man. Today we're talking about being an imitator of Jesus Christ. And so there are four truths that I want to look at today, and they're pretty simple. I try to keep things simple since I'm just a simple greeter outside. But today as we look at those four different truths, I think if you would apply one or two or perhaps all four of those truths to your life, all four of them, you might find that you are an imitation of Christ or at least in process, right? So the first truth I want to look at today is if we're to be an imitator of Christ, it's found in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. And it's talking about if we're going to be an imitator of Christ, we need to walk in love. So let's, let me read these verses for you, Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and he gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So as you look at that simple first truth, and I ask you the question, if you're an imitator of Christ, and one of those attributes to being an imitator of Christ is to walking in love, when you look at your life, would you say, hey, Bill, I walk in love? And so I was thinking about that. I, uh, my wife and I, were really blessed. We have uh, three grandchildren and a fourth one on the way. We love our kids. They were a blessing in our life, but it, it does not get any gooder than to have grandchildren. I mean, it is, it is amazing. And uh, my little uh, granddaughter that lives here locally saw me out in the hallway a while ago, and she put her arms up in the air, and she said, Pawpaw. And so she's just learning to say those words. And, and uh, when, when I look at her and I look at her life, it's easy, it's easy for me to love her. I don't know about you, but it's, it's easy to love our kids, right, when they're lovable. Right? It's easy to love our spouse when they're lovable. It's easy to love our parents when they're lovable. It's easy to love our coworkers when they're lovable. But if we're to walk like Christ and to be an imitator of Christ and we're to walk in love, let me ask you perhaps a more complex and difficult question. And it's easy to love my granddaughter, right? But I think when this verse is talking about being an imitation or an imitator of Christ and walking in love, the, the, the deeper question I want to ask you today is this. Who is the one person in your life that you deeply dislike? Who is the one person in your life who deeply dislikes you? Who is the one person in your life, and you know who they are, when you see them, the hair will stand up on your neck. Now, perhaps in your marriage, there have been times that you have that feeling for your significant other. But who's that adversary in your life? And let me ask you this. In your relationship with that adversary, are you walking in love? So to be an imitator of Christ, it's easy to, to walk in love and to love the lovely, but isn't it more difficult to love those who challenge us? And so as I was thinking about this verse and these truths, if I can just paint a word picture for you based upon my view of God's word. Had you ever thought about Christ when Christ was teaching? He had family members near him. 
He had friends and supporters near him. He had detractors around him, but he always had someone in the darkness who despised him. Every time that Christ talked, there was someone there who was just ready for him to say or do that one thing that they could pounce on and to, to, to try to destroy him. Had you ever thought about that? Had you ever thought about that Christ had adversaries? Now, the cool thing about being God, when you have adversaries, you at least know that ahead of time, right? And since most of you uh, and none of you are God and you don't have that great foreknowledge, we don't always know who our adversaries are, do we? So walking in love and to being an imitator of Christ is to walk in love and love as he does. So when I'm not a volunteer greeter here at church, um, I work here in Williamson County. I'm a judge. I'm the justice of the peace here in Williamson County, Precinct 3. And every day of the week, I put on a black robe. And when I put on that black robe, I, I strive always to follow the law and, f- and honor God. And I want you to know that, that there, uh, there are days that it's difficult to honor God. Because I've learned from politics, and perhaps maybe you haven't, but I've picked up on it in the last few years, that in politics, there's always adversaries that are out there. There are always people that are out there that are trying to attack you, that are trying to harm you, that are trying to demean you so it elevates themselves. There are sometimes, from elected officials, times that they make mistakes, and people are ready to pounce on that. Have you ever noticed that in politics, or am I the only one that's picked up on that? So back in March, and by the way, I wasn't on the ballot the other day because I had a primary opponent, and I didn't have an opponent this fall. I'm, I'll be back in public office for the next four years, so you're stuck with me. So this isn't a political speech. But back in March, I had an opponent. And during that time of having that opponent, every day I would come home, and it would seem that I would whine more about him to my wife. And my opponent very seldom said anything disparaging about me or mean about me. He just talked about how great he was and how great I wasn't. I took offense to that. And I'll never forget my wife, who I love, uh, a godly lady, and we'll talk more about her in just a moment. My, my wife said to me, you know, it's really hard to hate someone that you're praying for. Oh, man, go all spiritual on me. You know, do you ever feel that way? You want to come home and whine to your spouse, the person you expect to support you in your bitterness, and they go all Jesus on you. Anybody, does anybody else have that problem, or is it just me? Yeah, I know. You're bitter. Come to my house. We can revel in that together. Let me say this. The election time is over with, and I have looked back upon my opponent, and my opponent only stood for what he believed was right. And he wasn't evil, and he wasn't mean-spirited. He just stood for what he believed was right. If we're to be imitators of Christ, we've got to walk in love, not only with those that love us, but with those who despise us. How about you? How are you measuring up in that area of your life? Who do you struggle to love? Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 43 and 44 says this. I don't have it on the screen. I, I just added it this morning, so forgive me for that. But Matthew 5, 44 43 and 44 says this, You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But verse 44 says this, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
So if you want to be an imitator of Christ, are you praying for those that persecute you? And I often quote everybody else because they're great quotes, but I actually came up with a good quote this morning, so write this down, and at least in my mind it's a good quote. Here's a quote from Judge Bill Gravel. If you're making a difference, you're probably making enemies. If you're making a difference, you're probably making enemies. So when you look at this first truth of walking in the image of Christ um, and walking in love, how do you measure up? The second truth I really want to share with you today, I really like as well, it's uh, to walk in purity. If you still have your Bibles opened or if you want to follow along on the screen, Ephesians 5, 3 through 7 says this. It says, But among you there must not even be the hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And I'll stop there. As we look at this second truth of walking in purity, many of us often think about the truth of walking in purity about sexual purity or about fidelity to our spouse. And I just want to move just beyond that to verse 4 and camp there just for a moment when we talk about walking in purity and being an imitator of Christ. The part that says in verse 4, and let me repeat it for you, it says, nor should there be any obscenities or foolish talk or coarse talk or jest that comes from your mouth. So when I was looking at the scripture reference for this week and I was thinking about what God wanted me to share Talking about walking in purity is very important to me with the words that I choose and the words that I select. When other people look at your words and they see you in your image, do they see Christ reflected through your words that you choose and through your words that you use? I've learned that as a judge, people are often under intense pressure when they're before me. Perhaps the guy with the black robe has something to do with it. The guy with the guns may have something to do with it. The Bible that you swear to, to tell the truth, that has something to do with it. But what I've learned is that when people are under intense pressure, whatever is in the heart comes out of the mouth. By the way, that's a biblical truth as well, too. In the Bible, it says that which is in a man's heart proceedeth from his mouth. Are the words that come out of your mouth, are they pure? Are they honorable? My wife, Jill, and I, in January 5th, we're going to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Uh, We met some 32 years ago at uh, the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. I went to Mary Hardin-Baylor because at the time the guy-to-girl ratio was one guy to 17 girls. I knew I needed a girl, and I knew I needed help, so I went to Mary Hardin-Baylor. I went to Mary Hardin-Baylor. I found the love of my life. We fell in love one with another. We've had two kids, now we have grandkids. But there's a commitment my wife and I made from very early on. We made a commitment that we would never say anything disparaging or negative about one another. Now, I didn't say to each other in private, but in public. And by the way, we have never said anything disparaging or negative about one another to our families. I have to tell you, sometimes when I see young married couples run home to mom or run home to dad to complain about their spouse, sometimes I think the best thing that mom and dad can do is this. They need to say hush 
and you need to go home and work it out with your spouse. You have left me and mama, and you need to grow up, and you need to go home and work it out. Amen or oh me? I mean, some of these young kids, they just, you know, quit whining about who you have and uh, be thankful for who you have. And I'm looking around at some of you, and I don't mean this with disrespect, but some of you married much better than you deserve. I'm there, right? I'm there. When we think about walking in the image of Christ and walking in the area of purity, I think what comes out of our mouth must honor God. When you look at your mouth and what you say, does everything that come out of, comes out of your mouth honor God? We need to walk in purity and be careful what we say negatively about people that are around us. And by the way, my wife could say a lot of negative things about me. She could. But she chooses not to. Because she respects the sanctity of our marriage. More importantly, she fears God. And we love one another. And by the way, for you Southwestern students that are here, this is just a high standard this old judge has. You may not want this standard in your life. Can I encourage you in this? When you think about getting married someday and somebody to marry, could I just encourage you in this? Think about marrying someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with. It's, it's not until divorce is convenient. It's until death do us part. Now, there are occasions where people get divorced. I understand that. In my mind as a judge... I find it really easy and convenient for some folks to bail out of the marriage instead of work on the marriage. Marriage is work, isn't it? And if you were married to me, wouldn't you say it was work? All right, so the third truth I want to share is this. If we're to be in the image of Christ, not only are we to walk in love, walk in purity, but we're to walk in light. Uh, We're to walk in light. And uh, the scripture says pretty clearly, let me read it for you. It says, starting in verse 8, these words, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of light. When we come to know Christ, and Christ comes within us, it it is a light that we become. And so hear me out here. If we're in the image of Christ and we're walking in light, when other people look at you, do they see the light of Christ living in you? You remember that song as a child that you learned, hide it under a bushel lamp? No, I'm going to let it shine. Do you remember that? And I could have got the words wrong, but I'm old, so forgive me. So what about you? Are you a light to a lost world? One of the responsibilities I have, and I think it's uh, the saddest part of my job, but on a daily basis, I sign the bulk of the felony arrest warrants here in Williamson County. There's one thing that I've noticed about criminal activity, and we have some cops or former cops that are here in the room, but nine times out of ten, those criminal acts, are you ready for this? It's really profound. Those criminal acts occur at night and not during the day. Isn't it funny that I would notice that? Now, I'm, I'm just a simple judge, and I'm looking at it. Have you ever thought about why criminal acts occur in the darkness? It's people want to hide under the car, cover of darkness because of the depravity of their sin. And so let me go here just for a moment and remember that I have a professional capacity that I go out to scenes for death investigations. 
But I have been out to a few locations in the southern part of our county where men's clubs exist. And you know what I've noticed about the men's club, whether they're in Travis County or Williamson County, that around those clubs, there are very few lights. And at night, they're incredibly dark. And do you know why? Maybe they can't pay the utility bill, but here's what I think. I think it's because they know that which they're a part of is immoral and wrong, and they want to hide under the cover of darkness. And I want to challenge you in this today. Not, not only are we a part of River Rock Bible Church and are we a part of the family of God, but it is our responsibility to share with others about the love of Christ. And I believe that we share with our mouth and tell others about what Christ has done in our life and how He is the light of the world. And when you look in this mirror and what you see today about what image you, you are and what you reflect, I hope that what you see when you look in that mirror is a bright reflection of Jesus Christ. Not only do I believe that we share Christ with our mouth, because we are a light unto the world, but I believe that we share Christ with our actions as well. When people look at you, do they know that you're a person of faith? When people look at you and they see your actions, do they know that you are a Christian? I submit to you the reason more people don't come to know Christ is because when they look perhaps at you or me, they don't see a whole lot of difference between the believer's life and the non-believer's life. Just thinking out loud. And again, I'm just a greeter who greets outside at River Rock Bible Church. So are you a light? One of my favorite quotes of all times outside of God's Word is uh, from St. Francis of Assisi. And he talks about sharing our faith through our actions. And he said these words. He said, share the gospel with the world and use words if you must. Isn't that rich? Share the gospel with the world and use words if you must. So the last truth today is this. It's, uh, if we want to be in the image of Christ, it's we're to, we're to walk in wisdom. Now somebody tell me, define for me what you think the word wisdom means. Come on, I want to hear it. You Southwestern students, you're bright. You're the sharpest, the smartest. You're attending the most expensive university in Central Texas. Surely you know the answer to it. That is true. That's wisdom, isn't it? What's the word wisdom mean? Who wants to give a shot at it first? Tell me what you think it means. Knowing the answer and not always having to tell people. Knowing what's right and doing it. All right? Wisdom. Only comes from God. Right? What else? Any other definitions of wisdom? All right, so let's look at God's word for wisdom about wisdom. Isn't that profound? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15 says this. It says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the, day, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think the last truth I would share with you today is this. Is that as a believer, if we want to be an imitator of Christ, when others look at us and we see ourselves, the most important attribute, in my opinion, is that, that of being wise. Now, I'm going to share a thought with you, and you can kind of chew on it and decide for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you on this. But this last truth about wisdom is this. When, when I was 18 years old, attending the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, I was idealistic, opinionated, and smart. But many years have now passed, and I know the Lord, and I have often studied His Word. And I have learned now that I am slower to speak, quicker to listen, and often, even though I may know the answer, I remain silent. Abraham Lincoln once said, it's wiser to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. (laughs) Wisdom is an attribute that I believe comes twofold. It comes with the study of God's Word, and it comes with time. Now, I think you can be 30 years old and be wise, and I think you can be 70 years old and be unwise. But more often than not, I think you get 50, 60 years old, and based upon life's experience and based upon God's Word, we become wise. And and let me just throw out a truth here today, and I mean this of no disrespect to where anyone works or what, what you believe. You can go to the Christian bookstore at Wolf Ranch, or you can buy the Christian books online. But if you want to buy the number one bestseller that will help you to be wise, don't go for all of the self-help books. The greatest wisdom book that exists is God's Word. It was breathed by God and different men penned it, but I believe that it is God-inspired. And if you want true wisdom, you can go and buy some pastor's book, but why not go and buy Jesus' book? Because I think it works pretty well. Job 28.28 says this. I like this verse. It's talking about wisdom. And, And he said to the human race that the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Years ago, I prayed for God to help me do things. Years ago, I prayed for this and I prayed for that. But every day going to work, I pray the same prayer. And do you know what that prayer is? God, as I put that robe on today, give me wisdom on that which is right versus that which is wrong. What is it you're seeking from God today? In just a moment, we're going to take two minutes, and you can take your program or bulletin, and you can write down what God is saying to you and how God is speaking to your heart. But here's what I would like for you. Out of these four truths that I've shared today about being in the image of Christ, what's the one truth that just resonates with you that God said, I'm talking to you? And by the way, some of you are going to think that I personally was pointing you out with something that I said, but I haven't read your email, I haven't read your text, and I haven't talked to your spouse. I just sought the Lord, His wisdom, and His word. And if He's calling you out, you need to work that out with Him, not with me. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity. 
And Father, we pray that over the next two minutes, as we look at these four different truths about being in your image, God, we pray that you would help us to clearly and transparently see that one area of our life where we need some improvement. And God, I pray that as you point that area of improvement out to our heart, God, that you would speak to us and show us that first step we need to take. Father, whether it's the person that we don't love that hates us, show us how better to love them. Or Father, whether we're to walk more in purity with our mouth, or whether we're to walk in being the light, or God, whether we should walk more in wisdom, seeking your wisdom versus the world's. Speak to us. Help us, Lord, to see what you desire to teach us today. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.